We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It is going. All right. Are you ready for um, the last one of August? The, the last birthday. Mm-hmm. Birthday episode. I think I saved the best one for you for last, because today we're going to be discussing the hidden meaning behind medieval animals. Nice. Yeah, that was one of them, because they could never draw them right, but then Mm -hmm. what, what did they stand for? The weird cat with human eyes and fingers instead of paws. What does this mean? Information was pulled from the following sources, a 2022 The Collector article by Alexandra Keeley, 2020 Medievalist article by Minji Su, I apologize if I said your name wrong, 2018 Atlas Obscura article by Annika Burgess, a 2017 Atlas Obscura article by Annika Burgess, 2012 The Met article by Barbara Drake Bowen, and Medieval Times. The restaurant? <laughs> the restaurant. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Now I feel like I need a turkey leg and a hat. Same. Which night color am I sitting in? <laughs> <laughs> and links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes, or over on our link tree to get started today. So if you've ever seen a meme about medieval animals, or any sort of medieval prints, really, mm-hmm. you know that they had a colorful view of the world. Yeah. They had no... They were like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, I'm going to draw it 30 days after I saw it while on poppies, mm-hmm. like high on opiates. And we're going to say that that's exactly 100% accurate of what the animal looks like. This is totally what this animal looks like. Yeah. Animals are often found within a number of manuscripts, as well as human-slash-animal hybrids known as grotesques or chimeras. I've never heard them as grotesques. That's I think of Phil from the Disney movie Hercules. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not grotesque. He's not grotesque. He's just Phil. Mm-hmm. Why can't be that way? Don't be mean to Phil. Don't be mean to Phil. But interestingly enough, many of the animals, which today seem a bit bizarre, held hidden significance during that point in history. I'm sure. So we need to create some context. 
context is important. Especially them. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the medieval era, also known as the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, started around 476 AD as the Roman Empire began to fall in Europe. This period in history lasted roughly a thousand years, ending sometime between 1400 and 1450 AD. Hmm. Or CE for the non-religious peeps out there. Yep. During this time, Christianity was on the rise, as well as political upheaval and lots and lots of violence. Yeah, those those three things just tend to really stir pots mm-hmm. throughout history. Yep. Like, oh, hey, you believe in that? That's dumb. Also, mm-hmm. I'm not paying taxes, and I'm going to murder your whole family. <laughs> it's just... It's like, cool, you know, cool, 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 cool. Every couple of years, every couple of months, mudslinging throughout the There's week. another. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. The Holy Crusades took place, ending in 1291, when soldiers finally left the Middle East and returned to Europe. By the mid-1300s, religious fervor had started to wane in the royal courts, and 1337 marked the start of the Hundred Years' War between France and England. As if they weren't already just fighting pettily this entire time. Yeah. But sure. sure. Let's mark let's mark this as the real start date, you know? This is when the petty squabbles became like actual violence. <laughs> well, outright. Outright violence, yeah. Violence, yeah. Not just like poisoning and stuff. Yeah. And assassination attempts. I put arsenic in your croissant. <laughs> croissant? <laughs> The style of art that you see in many medieval manuscripts harkens to Celtic and Anglo-Saxon metalworks with the intricate interweaving of elements. Mm. If we view the animals that are interspersed throughout these pieces through a Christian lens, they could be interpreted as some form of, of religious symbol, such as for protection. Yep. Didn't I feel like a lot of Christian symbolism was like lions and stuff, right? Yeah. Kind of like bravery. Mm -hmm. Or like, we'll feed you to the lions. You can meet our God faster. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of thing. We don't make the rules. This is just what we do. Right. In the 13th and 14th centuries, you see animals begin to take more of an active role in the illustrations of manuscripts. Appearing in the margins, they are often referred to as marginalia, and sometimes they may appear as if they are doing what they might naturally be seen doing, such as sleeping or eating or hunting. You mean not standing on two hind legs, carrying a flag? Yes. (laughs) Or a sword, Mm -hmm. (laughs) breathing fire? (laughs) Yeah. Got it. And humans obviously would often be depicted similarly, such as praying or working, etc., Right. More often than not, however, the marginalia illustrations come across as rude, comical, or almost like profanity. Hmm. It's here where we start to see animals acting like people, with a number of them taking part in everyday human activities like baking bread, pretending to be members of the church, playing musical instruments, or even mimicking healers. Wow. Ye old history book graffiti. Pretty much. Yeah. Examples include rabbits hunting people, which to me reminds me of like Strulpeter. Yep. Snails fighting knights, monkeys dressed as people, 
Hey, was the snails fighting knights the Hundred Year War? <laughs> oh my god, I wish. Because it would take them a hundred years to get to them. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, Frances Cargo. I don't care if it is or not. That's what it is now. Yep. It's the snails are the French, and and the British threw salt on the ground. <laughs> that's that's just what it is now. <laughs> that's just it now. Yep. And foxes hunting other animals in much the same manner as a human would. Hmm. And if we factor in the grotesques or chimera, they rarely behave either, often taking part in activities that are anything but PG. Got it. That's true. Because, you know, God won't let you engage in any sort of fashion with an animal. But if you draw one that kind of looks like a person... (laughs) That's all right. It's fine, right? It's artistic license. It's fine. Right. My son drew that in my Bible, sire. And I just colored it really nicely. Right. I just, you know. I don't know what you're talking about. Made the dye myself. In the Middle Ages, bestiaries were quite popular and were essentially an illustrated encyclopedia that included animals, both real and imaginary, as well as what sort of moral or religious meanings they might hold. Okay. So, like doves? Yeah. Purity, that kind of thing? Yep. Swans, passive aggression? Mm-hmm. Ducks, essentially, chaos, murder? <laughs> swans are essentially like Midwest death birds. Some might have virtuous connotations, like the dove, while others might embody the deadly sins, such as gluttony, sloth, mm-hmm. or lust. Do you think they would have included real sloths had they seen them during this time? I hope they would have. You know? I'm sure there were some B-series where they did have them. Right. The travelers that actually saw a real-life sloth, and they're like, listen, this animal is the embodiment of being too slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The concept of bestiaries comes from the ancient Greek text known as the Physiologos, which was written in Alexandria between 2 and 4 AD, or CE. But in the medieval version, they obviously have heavy religious overtones. Right. Yep. Yeah. Because it's not acceptable unless you, you make it fit into the one true book. Yep. Of the time. That wasn't rewritten like four four or five times. Yeah. An example of a creature from the Greek physiologus is that of the phoenix, which in mythology is able to regenerate itself by being reborn via fire. Mm -hmm. In the Christian bestiaries, it becomes an allegory for Christ's death and resurrection. Yep. And now now it's synonymous with jello Easter eggs. (laughs) (laughs) We've transitioned. <laughs> so good. Hard-boiled eggs, deviled eggs, jello eggs. Isidore of Seville produced a volume on animals in the 7th century as part of his 20-volume etymologies. Hmm. The difference between his book on animals and other bestiaries is that instead of focusing on the Christian morals that different animals represent, he focused on the etymology of the different animals' names and how they related to the different characteristics of that particular animal. So he was kind of the the first step kind of out, mm-hmm. parsing it out from 
religion to kind of more scientific yes reasoning for it mm-hmm. ye old secular yes book on etymology yes Isidore of Seville is just one of three Christian scholars noted for their animal editions. Others include St. Ambrose and Rabanus Maurus. I mean, that's kind of cool. If you think about it, like, how long did they go for without having cool pictures? Right. And, like, the book everyone needed to learn from. So, if anything... That just provided, gave more access because people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, yeah, I recognize that animal and it means this. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting segue to my next thing in my notes, which says. Veggie tails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cucumber. <laughs> By the time that the Ashmole bestiary was written, which was sometime between the 12th and 13th centuries, The illustrations were so popular and easy to understand that one didn't need to be able to read to be able to know what story it was trying to tell. Nice. Yeah, because I'm sure with, you know, the Bible being probably the main book Mm -hmm. ever in that time, like, you'd be easily able to kind of identify the pictures with the stories. Mm -hmm. But what... Could they also use snails for the the salt when they be when God turned people into salt? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Right? Some animals, such as the elephant, were ones that the artists, who were primarily monks, mm-hmm. had no concept of and had never seen. Oh my god, I need to see what those looked like. In bestiaries, the elephant is said to be strong enough to carry an entire castle and embody kindness in the act of redemption. But it was also believed that they didn't have knees. They are kind of hard to see. Mm-hmm. You know? But they didn't know that. So that's interesting. Yeah. And I suppose any depictions of an elephant that they may have seen potentially would have been like carved ivory, in which case right. it would have been straight-legged. It wouldn't have had knees. Right. And any sort of depiction of that would be very subtle, too. Like, if mm-hmm. they were to get to that granular level, it was probably just a couple of curved lines. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I bet it was just straight-legged. So they were mm-hmm. like, oh, there's these giant robots that can <laughs> whole castles. And, and they don't destroy the castles on their backs. They're so nice. They're so great. They're so great. They also just really hate tiny things. Mm-hmm. Know? Given what we know of the people who created the illustrations of these creatures, monks who had likely never left the monasteries in which they lived and worshipped, it's no wonder that so many of the creatures they created look so bizarrely inaccurate. You mean you have to go outside to experience things? (laughs) I mean, think about it. Say someone described what a giraffe looked like to you, and you had never seen one before in your entire life. And your job wasn't... It's an animal with like a skinny long neck. Right. It's got spots everywhere. Two horns. Two horns on the top of its head. But they weren't horns, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're horns with like skin on them. Mm-hmm. And ears. And it's got long skinny legs, like a horse's but skinnier, mm-hmm. and a short swishy tail. A sassy tail. 
sassy tail. How would you, how would you draw that? You know, it would be gross. It would not be great. No. And and who's to say the people that are trying to describe it to them are capable of using detailed descriptions? Because they're probably people that are like knights who were out fighting yeah, in the like, Crusades or like travelers. Thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got like a like a long tree neck. I don't know. It was basically a horse, right? Like camels <laughs> before they started bringing camels back yep. to Europe. And there are different types of camels too. There are like the one humped and mm-hmm. the two hump camels. I feel yep. like even as a kid, that was like really hard for me to grasp. Mm-hmm. Like the humps of a camel. Mm-hmm. And I had technology. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't, you can't really fault them for having zero context or understanding right. of what these creatures looked like, but it is still hilarious no. to see how they any, drew these creatures. Any Renaissance anything is just top tier. Top tier. Amazing. Gold. The Basilisk, described oh. in Pliny the Elder's Natural History, mm-hmm. which was written circa 79 AD slash C, could supposedly kill by its smell alone. Gross. A single glance... Or even the sound of its hissing. Wow. So don't. Danger noodle at its most literal. <laughs> so, so don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get close to it, you had you had a good run, you know? Yep. It's been nice yep. knowing you. Yep. And of course, it was an allegory for the devil. So, I mean, there's yeah. that. Yeah. So. That one's pretty, pretty obvious. That just reminds me of like when snakes had arms, no legs. Yes, they had legs at one point. Mm-hmm. So maybe the basilisk was the devil trying to grow legs, trying to grow those hooves, and he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, a legged snake with hooves, cloven yep. feet, cloven feet. It just keeps falling. It's too top heavy. Another example is that of the manticore. Originally from Persian legend, that was said to have the body of a lion, the tail of a scorpion, and the face of a man whose voice was as seductive as a siren. So, so he'd be like the old voice actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Troy McClure, the Manticore. <laughs> he had a. You face. may remember me from such works as. <laughs> He had a face Persian for mythology. <laughs> he had a face for radio. He had a face for radio. No, he had a face for film, a body for radio. Because, mm. right. you know, lion body, scorpion tail. Right. But a beautiful face. Yeah. The manticore was the mythological embodiment of temptation itself. Oh, man. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to have sex with a lion with a scorpion tail? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Ladies? <laughs> Ladies. Ladies. Meanwhile, the centaur of Greek mythology, with the body Mm -hmm. of a horse and the upper torso of a man, was, quote, deemed particularly lustful, but Mm. sensitive enough to cry in sorrow, end quote. Sad because he can't get maidens. (laughs) (laughs) They're too intimidated. What do you mean you don't want to be mounted? (laughs) 
I don't understand. Why are you running? Why are you, you know running? I can run faster than you, right? Right. Hooves. Couldn't climb, couldn't climb a tree, though. Mm-mm. Betty cried when they started climbing trees to get away from them. I got these, like, weak human arms. I can't, I don't have the upper body strength to pull my horse body up these trees. <laughs> can't pull this horse body up. Nope. No pull-ups. Sad. Sad man. Touche, ladies. Touche. Yeah. Many scenes added to the margins of books relate to medieval proverbs, legends, and fables. Hmm. Foxes, for example, are a popular animal that refer to a specific character known as Reynard the Fox, a trickster yeah. god. Yeah. He comes from Aesop's fables. Mm-hmm. And like many tricksters, he causes lots of trouble for others before getting what's coming to him. He fucked around and found out. Yep. In story form. Yes. In many instances, the fox and his cohorts are depicted acting as humans, more often than not impersonating people in the upper class or members of the clergy, in which case the acts of Reynard and others would be considered parody. Right. This is, this is you know, real life reenacted in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's fine. Oh, you mean these war crimes and atrocities? It's okay. It was a fox. Mm-hmm. The Definitely fox did didn't it. happen in, in, in your town mm-hmm. by your clergyman. Reynard the trickster fox was a popular figure and often is associated with Aesop, who was a slave from Samos in the 6th century BCE. It had a resurgence in popularity in the Middle Ages, and the work Roman de Renart became an instant classic at the end of the 12th century, so much so, in fact, that by the mid-13th century, 26 branches of the narrative had been developed. So Dang. 26 separate stories. He was, in, he was syndicated at that point. He was. Yeah. The first branch, or standalone story, is centered around Sir Isengren, who is a wolf with the personality mm-hmm. of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast and Reynard's lifelong enemy. Which makes sense, because wolves and foxes don't get along so well. Yep. Always going after the same thing. Yep. He accused Reynard of sleeping with his wife, Lady Hersent. Oh, okay. That escalated. That was a... Okay. You know, fox... Foxes do often try to mount wolves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. We all know that. Yeah. Centuries-old problem. Lady Hersa... Oh, yeah. It's pronounced Hersa offers to walk over a burning fire in an effort to cleanse herself. But in the tale, the lady is essentially the embodiment of lust, Uh as it was believed that she-wolves had an insatiable appetite of the carnal variety. Oh, no. And the Latin word for she-wolf is lupa, which became a common name for sex workers. Nicer than the names we have given them since. Mm Mm-hmm. Much nicer. Now I just think of um that Shakira song. She's a she wolf in the Eisengren refused to allow his wife to walk through the fire, fearing for her life, and Reynard was forced to stand before the court at trial under the command of King Noble the Lion. Cause mm. Lion. Yep. King's noble. Royalty. Yep. Bravery. Reynard weaves the story as that of two star-crossed lovers, 
painting Isengrin as a cuckolded and jealous husband. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kinky stories. Not only this, but Reynard essentially forced himself upon the queen, Queen mm. Fiere, who views the act as one of love, not violence, mm-hmm. and secretly agrees to help Reynard if he comes to speak with her privately, if you know what I mean. Well, you you always know that sexual relationship between a, a lioness and a fox. Mm-hmm. So common. Tale as old as time. Definitely. So now we have two cuckolded husbands in this tale. Right. And they're both much larger and more important. Yes. Very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. The stories featuring Reynard are often viewed as those of the common people and lower classes poking fun at the aristocracy. Yep. And they address the issues and conditions that they had to face. One common theme throughout each of the stories of Reynard revolved around his constant search for food, which was all too common amongst the poor and peasant class. Yeah, I feel like that would be a, a good way for them to, to show children that they're not the only ones that go mm-hmm. hungry or need to look for food. Mm-hmm. Foxes do too. Mm-hmm. When Reynard does eat, usually food that those of the peasant class would consume, he eats almost to the point of gluttony, as if it is potentially his last meal which is how many of the lower classes would have eaten, never knowing when or where their next meal may come from. Yeah. Could you imagine, too, like, your final meal before the, f- the first freeze, the first frost? Mm-hmm. Had to be, like, vomit-inducing how much you would try to stuff your face. Probably, yeah. The Reynard stories are a perfect embodiment of social satires, placing human attributes, wants, needs, and desires on the animals in the tales. So keeping with this theme is the idea that many of the scenes depicting animals doing things that humans would normally do is, again, poking fun at people who try to do things they aren't good at. Yeah. An example is that of a pig playing the Lyra, which it cannot do because it has hooves, not hands. This idea continued outside the pages of manuscripts during festivals, but in a positive way, when children or commoners would be named kings or priests for a day. Oh, cute. You know, in like those like yeah, like the Renaissance fair yeah. too. Yeah, don't they like pick a queen? Yep, queen for the day, king for a day. Yep. yep. One well-known bestiary, the Ashmole Bestiary, is located at the University of Oxford's Bodleian Library. It includes illustrations of a fox pretending to be dead, and when birds come to eat its corpse, it instead attacks to eat them. Again, hearkening to the trickster. Yep. One showcases a spotted panther attacking a dragon. Mm -hmm. Another shows a lion breathing life into the bodies of its three-day-old cubs after they had already died. Impressive and a little unnerving. Yep. Sure. So as you can probably guess... All of these can harken back to Christianity. Mm. The fox attracts and attacks the birds, just as the devil ensnares sinners. Right. That one's kind of a stretch. A little bit, yeah. The panther, a.k.a. Christ, Mm. attacks the king of all serpents, a.k.a. Satan. And, of course, the lion represents resurrection, giving life back to that which once was dead. Right. And his sons. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I know this is a sidebar, but I just thought of the three cubs in a trench coat pretending to be one Jesus. And I just really <laughs> want that to be real. <laughs> it's like they're going to the movies after they were resurrected and they they just want to get in. They're like multiplying the fish, but then like the two lower ones are like eating some of the fish as they're handing them <laughs> out to the people. <laughs> And they're like trying to figure out which one of them needs to be the wine. And they're like, I got poked last time. <laughs> it's your turn now. It's your turn. Another one's like, I really don't want to eat any more bread. We're not supposed <laughs> to eat bread. We're lions. I just thought, yeah, the three yeah. cubs in, on each other's shoulders to be one Jesus. In a trench coat. I love it. In a it. trench coat. Mm-hmm. It's very historically accurate. So historically accurate. Yeah, yeah. Other animals with particular significance include the lamb, an animal mm. often sacrificed in religious rites. Yeah. Christians adopted it as a symbol for Christ. Obby. Yeah. I feel like they also generally did that for children, too, to relate yep. to as like, hey, y- you know how you don't have food? It's okay. Lambs do that, too. Or like, you know, in a sense, they have to be shepherded yes. places. They're so dumb and innocent. Learn to read. Dummy. <laughs> dumb lambs. Are going to get God. eaten <laughs> by Jesus in, three, in a trench coat. <laughs> in a trench coat. By three Jesuses in a trench coat. <laughs> Meanwhile, the griffin, often noted in mythology as a keeper mm. of light and aid to the Greek god Apollo, was adopted as a guardian of the dead in the Christian canon, which I did not know. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I haven't heard of that one either. Has Doctor Who touched on that? I f- doesn't Doctor Who do stuff like that? <laughs> like weird out of pocket religious things? If not, they should. Right. David Tennant, wherever you are. He'll be like, what TM, was this? TM, TM. When was this? <laughs> be like, I don't I don't know if I want to go to the Middle Ages. It's like listen. Even in, that even was in a pretend. Rough- that was a rough 10 years of conversion. They really had to stretch the narrative mm-hmm. and include the griffin somehow. Yeah. Hunting was a noble pastime in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. and this bled over to luxury goods and art. Falcons, for example, were seen as a sign of nobility. Yeah. Badassery. And badassery. <laughs> Stag hunts were often viewed as an allegory for the trials of human life itself. Yeah, you just get killed for sport <laughs> and have to suffer when you're shot too. When you're shot with arrows or spears. Yeah. You know. You just wander alone waiting for death. That old chestnut. <laughs> really the human experience <laughs> in body. Yep. Sometimes you get to look at the moon. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Get some berries. Sometimes your horns fall off. We've all been there. You gotta shed your skin, you know. Eat some bark in the winter. We've all been there. I'm telling you to cut your hair, Abraham. Shed your skin. The unicorn is a common motif in hunting scenes, often viewed as a representation of Christ. You can find it usually amongst many other real, imagined, exotic, or domestic animals. I have not heard Christ embodied as a unicorn. That's new for me. Because the unicorns were pure of heart. Remember, they're only drawn to, like, virgins and stuff, and their horns have magical healing properties. Remember, Jesus, they can detect Jesus poison. Jesus only hangs with the virgins. Am I right? He's like, I have mommy issues, and my mom was one. <laughs> if 
fuck you, Magdalene. <laughs> Magdalene who? <laughs> Ladies <laughs> of the daylight. <laughs> No lupas around here. <laughs> Am I right, fellas? Stay back, Shakira. Another time. I know your no. hips don't lie, but you need to get the hell out of here. One thought proposed by Michael Camille, a uh, medievalist, is mm. that the art along the margins of medieval literature are quite literally showcasing people and behaviors outside of respectable social norms. Gossiping. The old gossip channel. Yes. Yeah. Yield yellow journalism. <laughs> what what is it? Yield page six. <laughs> I like what was Scandal. The, what what's the tabloid with like aliens and stuff? The National Enquirer. The National Enquirer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Jesus, the unicorn of shame. <laughs> and then there's just random penises yeah. around. That they're still trying to get rid of from, yep. from Rome. <laughs> yep. By putting the animals and scenes in the margins, it can highlight what is viewed as unconventional behavior behavior, while still protecting that which is normal and good, such as what is included in the meat and potatoes of the actual manuscript. Most right. likely, you know, like the Bible. Right. But if you can't read and all you're looking at is the salacious photos... But they would have, like, normal illustrations in, like, the Bible portion, too. Like, big illustrations of, like, the three cubs in a trench coat feeding <laughs> the people fish and bread, right. you know. So using their tail to make a nice egg wash on the <laughs> mm. It's fine. This might also explain the presence of grotesques, which are mm. almost always depicted engaging in behaviors well outside social norms. Right. For example, if you think of the exterior of churches, such as the presence of gargoyles outside the house of God, it Mm. reinforces this idea of putting deviance and deviant behavior in its place. Right. No Jesus here. Gargoyles. You you can't come in to this house, but also like, thank you for guarding it. (laughs) Yeah. You grotesques, you. But like, stay out there, gross. It's like uh, gators and moats. Yep. You stay there. You just be in the be in that moat. Michael Camille, the medievalist that I just mentioned, mm. thinks that perhaps the viewpoint that the lower classes are poking fun at the upper classes isn't really accurate. Consider who paid for these books. Yeah. It wouldn't have been people of the working class. No. It would have been people of means. Right. And obviously they didn't have any issues with the imagery or they wouldn't have bothered to commission the pieces. But did they know? Was it like the artists that were like, I'm taking the liberty and F you to the man and then were able to weave a tale saying that it was nice and good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like journalists in general, doesn't matter what time you're from. Yeah. You can still write a hit piece. <laughs> he feels that instead scenes such as a rabbit attacking a hunter is in fact something that works for both angles. Mm. An example of the weak fighting against the strong, while also making fun of the weak and their feeble attempts to best their betters, a.k.a. the people that can buy the books. So generally, like any artist that gets a commission for from like a giant corporation and Mm -hmm. something that's more satire-esque, 
Like, oh, no, no, I'm laughing with you for sure. Not at you. Definitely not at you. No. Why -mm. would you say that? No, definitely with you. With you, for sure. Gross. Rabbits. They're so gross. Hate those. (laughs) Let's draw more. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, lust. Right. Falcons. Eating all that lust. (laughs) Eating all the lust. Eating all the rabbits. (laughs) Those lust-eating falcons. (laughs) And that's it. That's what that's what I found about the nice. hidden meetings of medieval animals. Well, I have, am not anywhere close to the type of artistry that you know monks of the time performed, but I will do my best at making the the three lions in <laughs> trench coat because that's all I can think about now. I will be plagued by it until somebody helps me <laughs> make this real. Might have to use the AI image generator later for that. Yes. I didn't even think about that. I'll see what I can do. Oh my god. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, Become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. G'day, g'day, g'day. Don't skip. Let me interrupt the podcast that you're currently listening to with some blatant self-promotion. What do you get when you mix two Aussie mates, a splash of booze, well, more than a splash, and some microphones? You get Cheers Big Ears, hosted by myself, the Chad, and my mate, Matt, and sometimes, but more often than not now, my missus, Bobby. It's a podcast of adult beverages and not-so-adult conversation. It's not serious. Far from it. Well, except for that one episode, but that was just that one. We're available wherever you get your podcast fix. Cheers, big ears. And on that note, this week's podcast plug is Cheers Big Ears podcast with adult beverages and not-so-adult conversation. Hosts Chadley and Bob's discuss everything from beers, geek culture, movies, to nothing of any significance. Nice. But most of all, it's just about having fun. Sounds awesome. And we'll have a link to their show in the show notes. So this week's listener question comes from our friend Carrie Ann, and she would like to know, would you rather be captured by pirates or Old West bad guys? Ooh. Old West, I think. Just because of the, the general location, I don't know how well I do on a boat. I would probably die way faster <laughs> on the sea than, you know, in heat. But mm-hmm. that being said, I also died on the trail of the organ variety <laughs> so many times. So I don't I don't know how it based on survivability, I think both are terrible options for me, but I think I would I would gamble with the Wild West. I, too, would gamble with the Wild West because I don't know how well I would deal with the high probability of assaults on the sea, especially if you are one of the sole females on a boat full of men. Well, I mean... And at least with the Wild West, ponies. I'd get to ride on a pony, probably. Yeah. So, and I could deal with a dirty man. That's fine. Right. Ponies. Soap doesn't exist. Ponies. He's like lard. <laughs> Pretty much. Lie. Yeah. 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 Ponies. As long as I can ford a river, I'm sure I'm good. Right. Avoid good the luck. snakes. Yeah. Don't drink the water. 
You'll get dysentery. So much dysentery. Yeah. But at least you could you could try to drink the water, right? Whereas if you were on this in the ocean, you can't drink that water. No. You're just drinking like rum and shit. Yeah. You're just drunk. I, well, mm, but do you I don't, want to be drunk all the time on a boat? I don't think that would help with any seasickness you would have. Yeah, because you'd, you'd already just, be drunk. You'd be thrown up all the time. Yeah, but if you're just if you're just in a constant state of, you know, bare minimum consciousness <laughs> wobbling around on a boat. I'm still gonna go with ponies. Okay. I'm still gonna go with ponies. You know, I'm straddling the the line now because I do like you know tilt a whirls and stuff. Maybe I do want to be on a boat <laughs> drunk all the time. That might be okay. Okay, you can be the pirate booty, and yeah. I will be whatever in the wild west. Yeah, I like living trinkets. my best life. I could on steal a pony. gems. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube. Click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. All right. On that note, what's something good you'd like to share? Oh, man. I had one and I was like really excited to share it and it's gone. I don't remember what it was. I mean, one of my good things was being able to see you and your and our family again. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Your eldest, as always, was lovely and very appreciative of her familial birthday, which at that age is pretty rare Mm -hmm. for them to, like, enjoy. So I really appreciated one more year of her not thinking that I'm lame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But also, like, the stress of making sure I looked cool enough for a teen to approve was more more stress than I was prepared (laughs) yeah i was like i gotta look cool this is yeah rough for context she wanted a pink themed birthday pink is in the color not the singer slash performer and it also kind of transformed into barbie core yeah kind of barbie core yeah she got lots of makeup stuff Mm -hmm. she's got more beauty products than me by like a landslide yeah. I think I've enjoyed the same color palette since I was her age. Right. She should probably throw that out. I don't want to know what things have grown on it since. Mine? Yeah. I mean, they do expire generally within I'm like not... a year or two after. No, I mean, <laughs> I've used the same color scheme. Okay, great. I've replaced great. them. Thank you. Okay, great. They're not from like the year 2000. <laughs> In the year 2000, it's when she gave herself pink eyes. <laughs> Repeatedly for years. All Never knew why. Every time I wear makeup, I get pink eye. It's crazy. I never wash my brushes. <laughs> I, just, I just keep rehydrating it with water, tap water, not even filtered water. Sometimes I water use from clubs. the hose outside. Sometimes I use club soda so it sparkles. So it tingles when it goes on my eyes. Yeah. That's very, I like spicy uh, eyes. Renaissance of you. Very old of you. Very upcycling of me. Yeah. How about you? What's one good thing? I had something too and then I forgot it. Right. My brain. We went to the Franconia Sculpture Park nice. today in Minnesota, which is... I'll include a link to it 
in the show notes because it's pretty cool. And if you don't live in Minnesota, you'll have zero concept of what the hell that is. Right. We did a scavenger hunt for our Mm -hmm. troop and then got ice cream afterwards. The scavenger hunt did not last very long because it was still hot, even though the weather was way nicer than it's been and attention spans were short. So, yeah, but it was fun. Nice. I would still like to go back sometime this year before the snow hits, and I probably will at some point. I'll just I think like, Franconia is a geocache place, too. They've got a million and one Pokestops there, too. Mm-hmm. If Pokemoning is your thing. Yeah. Pokemon going is your thing. And it is also, you know, what, not even a mile away from the scenic hills used in Mighty Ducks 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Glacier State Park. Yep. Every time I look at that now and I know that hill that they were like rollerblading down, I'm like, oh my God. Because <laughs> it's so scary to drive on. I it can't is imagine. It's so scary. Oh my God. Rollerblading on it. I hope they were all stunt doubles because if not, terrifying. 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 No thanks. And like they were they were children. They were tiny peoples. They were they were they were but lions, little in cubs, a trench coat, little cubs in a trench coat, <laughs> rollerblading down. Their names were Jonathan Taylor Thomas, <laughs> one each. Jonathan Taylor and Thomas. <laughs> they all had one pierced ear, which was a hoop. Yep, doing their, doing their best, drinking ectoplasm. Yep, you know. drinking ecto cooler. Yeah, eating Dunkaroos. And those and those Dorito 3Ds. Yes. Covered in purple ketchup. Just coated in it. Mm-hmm. Or the mixture of green and purple ketchup, which was just brown. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty just much. Just like a really aggressive brown color. Mm-hmm. In and out. Yeah. And on that note, shall we? <laughs> we shall. We need to. This got feral. This got weird. <laughs> A great way to support the show, if you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, or Audible. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. <laughs>